Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast. Your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn. Fantastic two-story building, beautiful place, a great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern, great game day experience, a weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bow uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of, bunch of good stuff, man. If you've never had Chinese bow, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bow restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. All right, welcome into another Auburn Live show. Appreciate everybody joining us on this Monday morning. And you know what that means. It is the Monday morning quarterback edition of the Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson. Um, and uh, with me, as always, on every Monday morning, former Auburn quarterback, Ben Leard. Ben, what's up, man? Hope, what's happening, buddy? I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Ooh, I'm... I know those players are because I'm, I'm beat. Yeah, it was a, I'm sure those players are. It was a late night, man. We, we shoot the game didn't until 1030. We, we didn't talk to Harson until 1115 Saturday night. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I was, I, I, I got story up and photos up. It's about two, went to bed about two. And, uh, but yeah, those players are probably beat. And, um, it's a good thing they have, a uh, Georgia state this weekend. Um, after all this game and this travel, um, well, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, we've, we've kind of been waiting on this game, um, since the season started, we knew the first two games for Auburn were cupcakes. And we understood what was what was coming, and that was a, a very good Penn State football team. Um, Twenty-eight twenty, Auburn falls uh, in a in a hard-fought game, wild atmosphere. Just just sort of ten thousand foot view. What were your impressions of of how the game went down and the atmosphere, and how do you feel coming out of that thing? Well, first things first. Obviously, you're disappointed in a loss, but man, I. I can't – it's hard to put into words to say that I I walked out of that stadium and you and you can pinpoint maybe a, a couple little things that you would tweak and none of which had to do with what I would refer to as just mental mistakes or lack of preparation 
or just making silly errors, they they got beat by a team that just played better than them yesterday. And that is in no way disrespectful to Auburn. Because, man, I, I'll tell you, I was so proud of those kids. They they fought hard. I mean, the, what to me, what tells the story is after the fumble on the first play of the third quarter, you, you relive that drive in which fumbles first play, Penn State drives in, scores a touchdown. Auburn gets the ball and goes on a 75-yard drive and absolutely runs the ball down Penn State's throat. And that is that's, – that's a mentality and an answer or a response in a hostile environment that I don't think Auburn has, been, has had that type of attitude – on the sidelines in a long time. And, you know, a loss is a loss. And in my mind, there's no, you know, there, there, there's no way to get over that. It's an L. But from the standpoint of being proud of the kids and understanding what they went through and, and knowing that this is the genesis or the building blocks of what I think is going to be a really, really good system and staff and, and football team, I was I was excited at what I these are the errors that were made were ones that can be fixed. The mistakes that were made are ones that can be polished up and not repeat themselves. I I was I was I was happy. I mean I was ecstatic and proud and you know really really excited for what these kids are going to do the rest of the season. Yeah, um I'm with you. I mean I will say I don't know. It, the game went about like I thought it was going to go. Um, I just thought it was a, a ton of circumstances working against them, and and uh, you know the offense just you know just made some mistakes. Defense probably was surprisingly you know a little bit worse than I thought. Um, they weren't bad. They just you know you can't allow a quarterback to go twenty eight of thirty two, um, and so that was surprising. I'll say we'll start big picture. I'll or start broad, and and you kind of mentioned it. So I went back and looked. You know, Auburn's lost, by the way, their last nine games against ranked opponents. Actually, this might be 10. I had it written down somewhere, but this might be 10 in a row. Their last win of a ranked opponent, I believe, was 2015 at Texas A&M. A&M was ranked 25th. Auburn went in there with Jeremy Johnson and ran the ball with Javon Robinson and, and, and um, had a big day running the football and, and, and surprised A&M. But A&M wasn't great. I mean, they're ranked 25th. Their, their best two performances against ranked opponents in the last however many years, in the last 10 ranked opponents, was, was uh, Clemson in 2017. They lost 14-6. to That was Stidham's first road trip, kind of like this one. It was Jarrett Stidham. It was their first road game um, against Clemson. They lost 14-6. to Offense had no shot. It was a crazy game plan. They're launching the ball. He got sacked probably nine times, but the defense was really good. The other one was LSU in 2019. They lost 23 to 20. You know, it was, it was 23 13. They scored that late touchdown. It's 23 20. That's the, both those were eight point margins. Everything else of those nine losses were were beyond eight. Most of them were like two touchdowns or more. I mean, just they were never in the game. Yeah. So they lose by eight to Penn State. Um, 
I think that this is their best performance. I, I don't care what Clemson and LSU were ranked. Um, I think this was a better performance than those two because I think the offense actually showed signs of life in this game, particularly, specifically, running the football that the other two, they didn't. Um, yep. They had like 130 yards rushing against LSU a couple of years ago, and half that was one DJ Williams run, you know, early, I think it was third quarter. Um, Clemson, nothing. I mean, Clemson, Carrion Johnson was hurt. Petway had about 70 yards, but, you know, Stidham lost about 70 in, in sacks. So this game was different in the fact that they established the run. They had a 100-yard rusher, um, you know, Tank and Jarquez and, and some both scrambling. They almost went for 200 yards rushing against a very good front seven in Penn State in a crazy hostile atmosphere. Um, and so I, I think that – I think it's their best performance on the road against a ranked opponent – Gosh, that's probably, you know, you'd probably have to go back to 2014 when they won at Ole Miss or something yeah. like that. I just think this was a better performance overall than even the LSU and Clemson games because I thought the offense, you saw enough to go, I think they can. When they scored 20, they went for it on fourth down and got stopped because they had to. I mean, there's, when they, you know, so they could have scored more points. So I think big picture, yeah. I think it was a step in the right direction against a Penn State team that, could win the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State's defense is struggling. Penn State could win the could win that conference. So I I I, I like what I saw overall. Very competitive, um, very competitive um, effort from, from from Auburn. Not the crowd didn't seem to affect them. They had a few penalties, but I think maybe a couple of false starts for the whole game. Um, but and that was about it. Um, so I don't I don't know that the crowd played a big part in 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 how things played out. I thought they. I thought they played overall. I thought they played pretty well. Um, I, and, and and I agree. I mean, I I think it's a situation that I I don't think that I don't think the environment got to them. You know, I, and and I was there, and and it was a it's an unreal environment. It's an unreal stadium. We had a great experience, but it's it's no louder than Jordan Hare. It's no louder than the swamp. It's no louder than Death Valley. I mean, Auburn kids, if, if you're playing at Auburn, this was an SEC Saturday. That's and, and and trying to be as respectful to Penn State's and you know, game day atmosphere as you can. This is, you know, and I told many people yesterday that look, I, I don't I don't think y'all you guys understand that this isn't every Saturday for these kids. And this isn't like going and playing at Northwestern or this isn't, you know, this is every Saturday they're faced with 85 plus raucous fans that it's their life is on the line with regards to cheering for their alma mater. And it's, it's just an every, in, in, in every, every week thing. And, and it was really a surprise to a lot, a lot of the Penn state fans that we would, that we would have that opinion. And, you know, in the game itself, I really didn't feel as if it got consistently loud until some of the key moments in the fourth quarter. And and it and it did at that time, but it just wasn't it wasn't a decibel of consistency like you would experience at LSU or Auburn or Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Texas AM, you know, Arkansas, Ole Miss. I mean, you, you just it, t- Tennessee. So but that, you know, and man, I, 
I've never been somebody that believes in moral victories. You lose, you lose. That's it. But to watching that game, if you did not have a dog in the hunt, that was a good football game. It mm-hmm. was it was well played by both teams. It was, you know, you're watching a game and it was, you know, consistent offensive play, good hard licks on defense, you know, big plays made on either side and just good football all around. And there were some, you know, and there were some calls on both sides made by the officials that I that I didn't agree with. Obviously, there Ooh, were some calls. There were some calls that that were made or some decisions made by players that probably weren't what you would feel is the best decision in the moment being, you know, by a certain, you know, making a certain play play call or making a certain decision on a read or whatever the situation may be, you know, and talking about defensively, I think an area that Auburn really struggled with defensively is obviously pass rush. Um, Sean Clifford, their quarterback going 28 for 32 or 300 plus yards in the air. He played a phenomenal game, but in the instance, there were a couple of busted plays, busted coverages, I think where, you know, it led them to led Penn state to hitting the tight end up seam on two separate occasions and putting them in deep inside the red zone. But, you know, other than that, man, you go back and look, they had, had two or three key fourth and less than a yard stops, a fake punt, you know, a, a lineup down the distance, fourth and one where they ran a quarterback sneak, didn't get it early on in the game. So from a, from a run stoppage standpoint, I think they really played well and answered the bell. There was just some issues in the pass game that it, it let Penn state have too much opportunity for success. And, I don't care who your DBs are. If the kid can sit back there and drink a, you know, drink a Pepsi and, and eat a sandwich, he's going to find somebody open. And that's just, that was what, that was the sword. They, that was the sword they died by, you know, on Saturday. And then, you know, offensively, man, I think, I think it goes without saying if, if four and 27 don't touch the ball as frequently as they can physically handle it, in every game from here on out, something's going on. They are, they are, they are, in my mind, they are the most talented running back duo. If, if not in the country, they are the most talented running back duo in the SEC. Yeah, I would say Jarquez has, has very, very quickly made that a, made that a legitimate debate. Um, he's really good, and um, he looked really good against Penn State. I, I thought. I mean, he, he just he just looked completely comfortable. He looked completely comfortable. Um, and so I think you make a, a fair point. Um, let's get into the details of this game a little bit. And let's start with let's start with the fourth and one. Um, the fade, the fade to Kobe Hudson. Um, you know, we we talked to Brian Harson after the game. He said he, he said he didn't want to go to in day, he wanted to watch the film, he wanted to see. But then he also said that was a that was a a, a in that area of the field, that that was a play that was predetermined. They have a menu of plays. We all know they have a menu of plays based on where right. you are on the field in the situations. Well, I should say you have a menu of plays based on where you are on the field. Now, to me, situations should then factor in. Whether it factored in here or not, I, I don't know. 
Um, I don't know. Um, but we asked him, and he said, you know, he wanted to go back and watch film. He said, that play, there's four or five options for Bo Nix on that play. But that answer doesn't really work because as soon as Bo got the ball, he threw it on a fade. So there was no options. I mean, I mean, he had already knew what he was doing. It was already predetermined. Um, uh, you know, Kobe Hudson's going against their best secondary player, gets locked up, has no shot, um, and then tries to basically draw a penalty, draw a flag, and, and, it, and it doesn't work. Um, what are your thoughts on that play? I mean, I, we don't have to second guess coaches. I'm not huge into that because I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a coach and there's a ton of hard calls, but that one, man, you know, um, whew, you know, you're sitting there. If, if you're going to call that, don't you just give the ball to tank? I mean, that's such a low percentage play that that, that was a play I would think Gus would call, not, not, not Mike Bobo. Um, and I think that's obviously that that call is going to get a lot of attention because of where it came in the in the football game. Three minutes left, fourth down. You know, there was so much surrounding that play that it gets a lot of attention. You know, whereas if that play was in the third quarter somewhere, you know, and then you kick a field goal, it's it's not as big of a deal. But um, what were your thoughts on what were your thoughts on that play call, and what would you have done in that situation? That's a hard call, fourth and two. You got one shot. I mean, it's not easy, but but what. What do you think maybe they should have done? Because it's just to, – to do that seemed like something you do with Seth Williams back in the day. You just toss it up and hope. Yeah, and, you know, that's one thing that – that's one thing Auburn's missing right now, and it's nothing against – you know, it's nothing against the kid – against Kobe and the kids that are there. But they don't have that Seth Williams. They don't have that guy that they can throw the ball up to that, that's, you know, can get to the seven-foot mark and go make a play against a, a – probably a first or second round draft choice as a, as a defensive back. But, you know, that's it. That, that essentially on a fourth and two, fourth and goal, basically to put yourself in position to tie the game. You do have a list of those plays. You've got a list of what you would consider two point conversions. And you, you pick the play that, you feel as a coach gives you the best opportunity to win the game or to, to be successful where I think it was, I think it was just a board poor decision by both. And, you know, when you run a play that has five options, it, it, there's got, when there's five options within a play in today's offensive philosophy, I would assume it's got a run option in it. And that I don't, I don't hate I don't hate trying to make a play in the past game. But I didn't like in the moment making that decision. It it is it is a low 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 percentage of success. Especially I mean especially when you got number 4 standing right next to you. I mean it is it, it is it is one of those things and they had done it time and time again within that game line up, have four next to you, and you can tell them, tell them where you're coming with the ball. And it's it, whoever's best up front wins that battle. And I just think given the, given the players, given who you have, and the fact that you had been able to have unbelievable amounts of success running the football, especially between the tackles, that – making or or making that choice to just throw a a very very low percentage fade ball against their best defensive back I, I just I wasn't 
you know, I wasn't super excited about that that particular play or or, or lack thereof. Yeah, I just I think that yeah I like there's a lot of things I would probably go with besides a, a fade. Um, and and like I said, the matchup they're going against. Um, um, gosh, now I just went blank on his name, but number one for Penn State, that DB is a physical. A player and a really really good athlete. It's one of their. It's probably their best secondary player. So not yeah. only did you pick a low percentage play, you 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 weren't aware enough to to realize that that's probably their best defender in the secondary. And so uh, that didn't work out. Um, overall, Auburn ran the ball really well. Passing game. Look, a lot a lot of attention went into Bo Nix. What's he going to look like? First road game. Is he going to look different? My impression was this. If you look at the numbers, you could make the case that he looked no different. You know, end up 21 of 37, like a buck 90. Um, and you could say uh, 56%, whatever, you know, uh, you know, maybe five, six yards of completion. It's about like you're going to get from Bo Nix on the road. Um, I think that if you – I think if you watch the game, then you know that's not true. Yeah, I, I agree. think that – yeah, I think he, I mean, he, he didn't get sacked. He made probably two plays – the grounding, potential grounding, and the potential pick six where he just locked in. Those were two plays probably that were that were past Bo. Um, I, I thought I thought that that despite twenty one thirty seven, I thought he played pretty well. Um, he he missed some balls, no question. He, he missed Demetrius Robertson twice um, yeah. down the sideline both times. Robertson used his speed and was by, and they were they were really poorly thrown passes. Um, yep. But but Shedrick, Shedrick, Shedrick uh, Jackson dropped two. Robertson dropped another. So there's three drops in there that took probably, gosh, close to 50 yards away from Bo. Um, he dumped it down. Bo did a couple of times. Uh, he made some really good throws. I mean, back shoulder to Kobe Hudson, back shoulder to Shanker. Um, he, he, so he, he did a good job there. He, he'll improve. I, I, so, I, so I come away saying numbers, I get it. I thought he looked better. I thought he handled it better. Didn't throw an interception. Um, something to build on. I think he did some things that he wouldn't have done in the past, um, and it's it's definitely something to build on. I'm with you. My concern going in was not even Bo as much. It was the wideouts, yeah. and it's still the wideouts. Uh, they, they don't have – Robertson's got a, a role, and you've got to connect with him. He's got the speed. You have to connect when he breaks down the sideline, and he's got space. Um Kobe Hudson showed me something. Um, I don't know if he's got bad practice habits. He, I've watched him. He drops balls every now and then. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a natural player. needs to be in the mix. Bad night for Shedrick Jackson. Xavion Capers gets no catches. Elijah Canyon gets no catches, no targets. Javaris Johnson needs to get back in the mix. So they got to figure something out at receiver. But I thought Bo, if we're talking about Bo, I thought he, I thought he did fine, and I didn't see the Bo of old. I saw yeah. some good things. You're the quarterback. No, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. If you, if you look at the box score, and and if you look at the box score without having watched the game, you would assume it's the 2019-2020 Bo Nix. But watching him from the way he handled himself in the moment, the the key plays that he did make on you know, on third downs. And and I'll tell you where I was impressed, and I think it has a lot to do with Mike Bobo, is there were several instances where they would be, you know, third and three. And Bo of old, in my opinion, 
would have tried to make the 15-yard throw, the 16-yard throw, the big play on a third and three, as opposed to just having the mindset of get the first down. And the play calls yesterday lended themselves to just a completion of four to five yards to move the chains, live to play another set of set of downs, which really, in my mind, builds confidence. The other thing that I was impressed with, Bo, that you know, there were a couple of instances where he did, he he made the very timely decision to pull the ball down and make a play with his legs, complete, you know, yeah. convert some third, some long third downs. You know, do some things in the in the running game that I was I was impressed with, and you know, like just like you said, if you do look at the box score, it's it doesn't it doesn't wow you at all. It just thinks makes you think more of the same. But if you watch, if you watch the execution within the game, if you watched it and saw everything kind of unravel and unwind, then you can see the impact that Brian Harson and Mike Bobo are having on Bo Nix from a positive standpoint. I, you know, he, he's got to have some help. I mean, he's got to have guys make catches for him. They're there. You know, if you go back and look and, I'm, and the, the play that sticks out to me is the really poor throw he made to me, to Demetrius Robertson down the left side, down Auburn sidelines, you know, yes. off, off of a play action, which was just a straight go. And one, Demetrius never saw the ball. And he he didn't track the ball. But the worst part about that is Bo never gave him a chance. The ball was four yards out of bounds. So he wouldn't throw really early. I mean, didn't he just yeah. launch pretty quickly? He just threw it up. And it was a it was a double move. It was a double move by Demetrius. Made a great he made a great break off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he put the guy in his hip pocket, and he was not looking back. He yeah. had he had his guy beat by three, right, four, right. by three to four yards. Bo yeah. throws Bo throws it up, and Demetrius one never never tracked the ball. But the worst part about that is it if he would have been been able to even find it. It was out of bounds. So the the worst thing you do as a quarterback is it don't give your guys a chance. And you know that was that was to me that was his most poor throw of the night. He made some really great back shoulder throws. I mean, he made some phenomenal throws to Shanker, some checkdowns and things that he that he made. Um, you know, I was I I mean, thus far, man. I mean, I know loss is a loss, but thus far, I think. I think they're getting him a little bit more dialed in to playing the position and understanding, you know, and, and they'll learn from that fourth and two. They'll, they'll, he will, uh, Bobo will, you know, that everybody will learn. Harson will, because there's going to be a time where Coach Harson says, I don't care what the situation is. If this fourth and two, you're giving it to a running back. Run the football. Don't, don't try to overthink it. Quit trying to get cute. Don't run a play with five options. The only option is give it to number four or give it to number twenty-seven, and let's see what happens from there. So, they're they're gonna they're gonna evolve and they're gonna get better and they're gonna learn what their keys are and you know what's most reliable from you know when it gets down into it. So you just you just learn from it and move on to the next test. The good thing is, like you said, Georgia State this weekend, and they'll be able to kind of mend their wounds a little bit and then get ready for Death Valley. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I think, um, yeah, he had a couple of poorly thrown balls, but yeah, the back shoulders were really nice. The the completion of Demetrius Robertson early in the game um, was a dart. Um, 
the throw that Shedrick Jackson dropped on the sideline was a dart just out of the fingertip reach of the cornerback for Penn State. That was a dang near perfect throw, honestly. Um, that was that, that that you've got to come up with. Um, and so, yeah, both both threw some good balls. Um, and so, I mean, you you come out of it saying Auburn lost, but they didn't lose because of Bo Nix. They they did. Right. Uh, could he have been right. better? Yeah, but the wide receivers could have been could have been a lot better, sure. and the offensive tackles could have been a, a lot better. That they, they they Austin Troxel, um, he, he got he got absolutely run by a couple times. Um, so those tackles have got to improve. They, there were a couple times they got run by like they were standing still. Um, and one of those it forced a quick Bo Nix throw. I think it was actually the first one to Robertson down the right sideline. He had to let it go early because Troxel just got run by. And yeah, if, if right. Troxel blocks that guy. Um, Nick's throws a dart um, to, to, to Robertson, doesn't just launch it. Um, he, he didn't have time to see what was going on. So, um, I think, yeah, I think there were good things. I think the most shocking thing I come away with is saying, um, is looking at the defense and going, what happened exactly? Yeah. Now, now, big picture, look, Auburn didn't even – Auburn go 390 yards of offense. That's not bad on the road against a top-10 team. Um, total yardage-wise in this day and age with offenses – that is not bad at all. Um, the problem was you let them get in the red zone four times, they scored four touchdowns. That's one problem. Uh, you never held them. You gave up a 91-yard drive. You gave up an 88-yard drive. That's not great. Um, you, know, uh, you, you, you know, you settled down in the second half. They had like 260 yards of offense in the first half. Penn State had about 130 in the second half. So you settled down. You did your job. Um, but, but the lack of pressure – uh, and the whole scheme around defending the pass, I I have to wonder if maybe Mason just schemed, just game planned this wrong. I mean, I I hope that's what happened. I hope maybe he thought that he had a front four that could get pressure, and he thought he could sit back, and and maybe it didn't work like that. And yeah. you know, because I, if that's not the case, I'm a little concerned. Auburn had zero quarterback hurries, zero sacks, and zero passes passes deflected. None, nothing. Um, you had one pick by McCreary, which is basically a punt um, from Clifford. So that's – I mean, I probably come away more concerned with – I don't know, that and receiver are my two big concerns. Yeah. Um, Auburn's got to figure out – Mason's got to figure out, was that the plan and he just and he just messed up? Yeah. Or, or is there an issue here where, you know, I mean, does he need to blitz more and, and trust his guys to play a little bit more man? Smoke Monday – was a liability in pass coverage uh, down the middle linebackers too. I mean, I don't know whose whose responsibility that was with those tight ends, Papo or McLean or whoever it was, but their tight ends accounted for 130 yards uh, receiving, um, which is which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what I'm more concerned with the wideouts or or kind of what I saw from defense, but I think Mason. There's no question he's going to go. Okay, well we can't do this again. We're going to have to bring pressure. Um, and there were times they did. If you go back and look, there were times when they went man that they actually got pressure on Clifford and, and forced him to roll out and, and, and flush the pocket a few times. Um, but but you just twenty eight of thirty two for a guy that's a career sixty percent passer, just that cannot that cannot happen. What was your take on how why things broke down in that in that defense and they just you know couldn't make it happen? Well, I think – I mean, obviously, it was a career day for Clifford. And, and leading into that game, he was a huge question mark. I mean, he was a major, major potential liability for Penn State's offense and not knowing what you were going to get. The one thing that I did notice is that there were times where Penn State really tried to up the pace. And 
they saw on certain plays and certain formations or, or personnel that when they paced Auburn, they got them in a little bit of confusion. And that's when they really hit the two big seam routes to the tight ends that put them in the red zone on those two, uh, you know, early on. So yeah. they, there was something that the senior quarterback was seeing and, and being relayed to him by James Franklin as to what was going on and from a pace perspective. And I think it really, really dove into the just kind of the confusion that was going on in the back seven for Auburn. The, the one thing that Derek Mason has to walk away from this game with is realizing he's going to have to manufacture pressure. And you're, you're not going to be able to get it, unfortunately, with the front four as consistently as you need to. You may, you know, you may bump up and have Wooden, you know, have a quarterback hurry and Hall get, you know, beat somebody off the edge. But, you know, until they get that interior defensive line cheered up to where they can get front pressure, there's just not there there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of uncomfortable situations they're going to put an SEC quarterback in without bringing an extra defender, which in turn puts pressure on your secondary. But I mean, ultimately, it's a it's death by a thousand cuts, right? I mean, it's one of those things where you either you either make pressure on a quarterback, which alleviates the amount of time that your DBs have to cover very talented receivers, or you put your receipt your DBs on an island and they're just out there, you know, drowning. So it's it's one or the other. But that was a uh, that was pretty deflate, you know, defeating to see some of the big busted coverage plays that they did have, um, you know, they, and, and, but at the same time, and you, you do have to give them, give Penn state some props. I mean, they made some plays, especially in the past game. I mean, the kid goes 28 for 32 with, you know, for over three bills. And he, he I don't know that he's ever touched that yardage in his career. So they, they did some things, right. They had Auburn on their heels in certain situations. You know, one of the things I, I, I'm sitting there, you know, on that last PI call, which I think was BS, but, you know, I, I could I could see that coming. I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, it's on the it's on the on the half yard line, which, in, in my opinion, after looking at it, it should have been a safety in the first place. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm sitting there thinking Auburn is in straight cover zero, no single high safety. They are selling out, stopping the run. And you've got a you've got a first round draft choice receiver sitting out there single coverage you know face to face on Roger McCreary I'm throwing in the ball I, I'm what do you have what do you have to lose you know and they did it and you know that's the big fault of to me a, a, a situation like that unless it is absolutely obvious keep your flag in your pocket man I mean that was a that was kind of a, that was a bogus call and still even after that the defense stepped up they went three and out beyond that and at least put Auburn in a position to get the ball back and have a chance, you know, to drive the ball downfield and maybe put a ball in the end zone as time expired. Yeah, that, that safety was something that sort of got overlooked a little bit in the broadcast. Um, it, it was they, – they, they briefly, you know, kind of showed a review, but they didn't really slow it down enough because it was such a pile you honestly couldn't see. And then I saw – I rewatched the game and I paused it because there's multiple guys' legs. I'm like, okay, whose leg is who? And uh, and if you pause it and look, it, it is the Penn State guy's knee that is down. I thought maybe it was an Auburn defender that was mixed in there, 
Um, but if you look at it, it's it's the Penn State running back. His knee is down, and that ball is is still over the plane. And so, man, those refs had a a a, a really bad night. That was missed. Yeah. I mean, the, the, giving away a down for Penn State was terrible. Um, the grounding call that was on the line. It, you know, he was right on the line of whatever the tackle box is. So really, that could have gone either way. Um, that's not that's not, not egregious. Hope they showed that they showed that replay of that of that non grounding call at least for five consecutive minutes, even during TV timeouts. It this it was just on constant replay, and and in my opinion, it was it was such a subjective call. Whatever yeah. whatever whatever way that the refs determined it, there was there was you weren't going to create enough of an argument the other way. You know, it, it was, it was, I mean, he was right on the line. He was at the, he was at the left foot of the left tackle at the outside the box. You know, it was so close and Auburn was extremely lucky in that situation. They were extremely lucky on the overturned fumble return for a touchdown. They were very fortunate that the linebacker dropped that sure pick six after stumbling wow. it for, for five or six yards. So, you know, there were some things that worked out in Auburn's favor, and and luckily for them, it it worked itself. It worked its way out. But you know, man, I I just I walk away. Safety was a big one, though. Safety was a big one, man. Because if that if that happens, oh. it's twenty twenty two, and they get the ball back with two fifty. I mean, and they get the ball back because they're kicking off from, um, you know, what the twenty or twenty five, right? Yeah, it goes back a little bit. Doesn't they're they're essentially going to get the ball back on the thirty five or forty. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, that, that yeah, that was a massive, massive um, miss. That was much bigger than missing, you know, forcing Penn State to punt and, early when it's would have been third and eleven. I mean, and you think about it. They, let, let's say worst case scenario, they they're down, they're down 28-22. They get the ball back with two, let's say two and a half minutes on roughly the thirty-five to forty yard line with two timeouts. So. I mean that right. in, in today's offense, that that's an eternity. I mean, you yeah. you can you can pick your poison at that point. So, you know, I, I agree with you. Of all of the of all of the calls on both sides, that was a that was a very very much blown situation by the by the officials that would have benefited Auburn tremendously. Yeah, and then and then the targeting on McLean was a really tough. That's a really tough call. I would love a, a further explanation on on that because it sounded like on the broadcast they got to talking about, which I'd never had heard before, they got to talking about the defender being low to the ground. I, I'd never, I'd always heard whether it's the crown of the helmet or it was whether it head or neck area. I got all that. I've never heard how close he is to the ground as a as any kind of determining factor, but they said that if he's, you know, whatever low to the ground is, that plays a part. And, and I'm thinking, okay, I, like I, I understand the initial thought there. Like if a guy's literally about to go on the ground and you come smoke him, I get it, right? But but first of all, he's not down. So we can't possibly make that a rule. But especially at the goal line when all you have to do is reach the ball out as you're going down to, to say I can't. Basically, McLean should have run in there with his arms and like hacked him or something. Yeah, Anything yeah. but what he did, try to hack him or something. But then you're getting into just just trying to dictate how he stops that guy from scoring. And if you look at this, if you look at the picture, Zakobi actually tweeted it. Shoulder was initial was the initial thing that hit shoulder to shoulder, and then he slid off, and they ruled that targeting. But that was a 
that was a really, really bad call too. And it hurt them because the, the touchdown Penn State ended up scoring. Wesley Steiner's in there at middle linebacker, and it wasn't Steiner's fault. Romello Height got mixed up and ended up no man's land on that play. It was Penn State's last touchdown. But Steiner's in there in the middle, gets washed up and loses track, and that would have been that would have been, been Zacoby yeah. McLean. But they're and waiting it, on that know, guy. And, and you look at you look at that targeting call against Zacoby. I mean, it, you that that's that's the kid's job. His job is to prevent them from scoring a touchdown. When a when a player is making every effort, an offensive player is making every effort that he can to score across the the, the goal line, that defender, what Zacoby did was he is well within his right to a hundred percent try and not allow him to do that. Even even in looking at it, the 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 hit was clean. It was it was it was shoulder to helmet and a graze of the left portion of Zacoby's helmet and face mask skimmed the top of the Penn State receiver's helmet. That was that was the gist of it. What was he supposed to do? Pull up and let the kid score? Yeah. No. That is that is not that is not his responsibility. I I look, I applaud him. I I mean I I if you're going to get if you're going to get ejected, take the kid's head off. And you know, if you're going if, if you're going to go, go big. But it's one of those things that the if you're going to permit the offensive player, if you're going to give him the ability to score a touchdown, you need to give the defender the ability to stop him from scoring a touchdown. And and in that situation, you are really handicapping the defender from doing what he is supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. So Jacoby will miss the first half of the Georgia State game. Uh, watching him, I mean, he he was so upset. But he stayed on the sideline. He was he was cheering on his his teammates. Um, and then, like I mentioned, that touchdown that Penn State ends up scoring um, when 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 Auburn held them, and then they tried the, the 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 wildcat again. Auburn held them. That last play, it was Steiner and Romello Height that that just. They got completely I – mean, Steiner they, got yeah, washed got, up in some stuff, and Romello Height was lined up up top and, and faded back with into coverage on the outside when Smoke Monday had the tight end. There's nobody for Height to cover. If Romello Height stays exactly where he is, he makes the tackle. It doesn't score. So, yeah. that just a, just a mix-up there. Um, but, yeah, just, just – that was that was a that was a tough um, that was a tough targeting call, um, man. I think I all think there's, Hoke. I think there are there are many more positives than negatives to take away from this game, honestly. And and I hate losing. I hate watching those kids work so hard, and I hate watching them, you know, walk away disappointed from it from a game that I know they gave everything they had. But, you know, there are a lot of positives, I think. And you said it best on the first podcast we had. This this could be that LSU game. You know, this could be the game that you do walk away as a loss, but you realize what you have. And this is yeah. something that can, that you can put some building blocks on top of. So, I, 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 felt, I felt disappointed in the loss, but I feel really, really positive about what these kids are doing in the direction that Brian Harson's taking them. Yeah, and I hated, you know, I, well, I liked what Brian Harson said after the game. Um, he, as far as saying the right things, Brian Harson says the right things, and he has the right attitude, and he has the right approach. I know that. What that's going to do, results, I have no clue. 
I, I don't know because there's too many other factors. But I know listening to after the game, I mean, he's very matter of fact. He's going, hey, you know, we we don't we didn't come here to play. We came here to win the game. And he, he even said people in this program, this Auburn program, he's like, Auburn football, that's what we should be about. He goes, I hope this loss stings. Like, I hope it hurts. He goes, because the only way this doesn't happen again is if this hurts and stings and then you go back and you focus and you figure out how do I not let this happen again? Take it and use it. Like just the way he breaks things down is very practical and uh, and very process oriented and, and, and very matter of factly. Um, and I like I, I like I like what he's I like what he's saying. I mean, he, he was like, look, we're not, we're not we didn't come here to play well. Like we we came here to win. I mean, yeah. um, and and just like he said before the game when they were asking about the crowd last week, and he goes. He goes, if you're concerned about that, don't get on the plane. We've got other people. Um, and even watching him during the game, I tweeted this. My gosh, the demeanor. Because I wanted to see Brian Harson against Akron at home is not what I wanted to see. On the road at Penn State, watching him on the sideline, his demeanor and Gus Malzahn's demeanor could not be more different. I mean, Gus Malzahn stresses me out, and I'm not on the team um why why he's just so panicky uh and, and it just you know and i think and i do think sometimes that translated to the team um yeah. in, in kind of frenetic ways good and bad maybe sometimes um harson's just so under control that if i'm a player and i won't look over him man, it's such a calming effect so i i, I like everything about what harson's done so far um let's end on this what what, what are the things you look because i here's how i look at games i'm not into moral victories either neither neither is brian harson but the real world is Auburn has a, a crazy hard schedule ahead of them in the SEC. And by the way, you now look at Arkansas and Ole Miss. After LSU, Auburn's about to play Georgia. I can't remember exactly. Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Like every, they're going to have about four or five ranked games in a row after yeah. at LSU. It is about to get brutal. Uh, and that Ole Miss offense is crazy. I, um I mean, you could hold them to 28 or 30 and be it'd be a good day. Um, but I look at games and say, okay, what what, what translates? Does, did I see anything that sets them up for success? And I think you and I agree that they do. They they can run the football. They've got to find some wideouts. Um, they got to fix some things on defense. But I mean, I think that's the thing. Look, you don't like to lose the game. But I come out of that game going, okay, there's things to build on, and that team can be competitive. There's there's not a game on Auburn's schedule including Bama and Georgia just because they're at home. At home, that can that can lift you to a touchdown. Um, but there's not a game that they – that team can compete. They just got to fix some things. But what do you come out of that saying, I'm most excited about this and I'm most worried about this? Like with LSU and Let's start with, start with the worry. I'm, I'm most worried about the, about the lack of defensive pressure. That's, that's, that's worrisome. Because if you look at the teams that they have coming up, you it, you know put aside Georgia State, obviously, but you look at LSU. LSU is not that potent of a running attack like they are accustomed to in the past. They they throw the football. They do a lot in the quick game. Now, granted, that can be a little bit counteractive in the sense that if you don't have, if you're not able to get, you know, pass rush, and you are up against an offensive team that really gets rid of the ball quickly, it is what it is. You know, you're not going to get to them in the first place. But when you look at LSU, when you look at Georgia, all of these teams that they're going to face, they 
they flourish in the passing game, especially those of Georgia. And then you look at Arkansas and then obviously Ole Miss as well, led by Matt Corral. So that's a, that's a big question mark for me. That's a big worry in the sense that they're going to have to find a way to, to manufacture pressure. And that's sending someone off the edge, bringing a, bringing a safety fire, doing some corner edge blitzes, doing something that creates a sense of uneasiness or unsettledness for the quarterback. What I walked away and walk away from that Penn State game with being most excited is, is, is the sense of, of calm that these kids seem to have. And I think it all resonates from, from Harson all the way down. And when I say calm, it's like they're, they're so process-oriented. They've already done this. If you watch their body language, the final time that Auburn got the football, there was, you know, 30 some odd seconds to go. They, you know, converted on a converted a third down, you know, got themselves at least in contention to make one final trudge at the end zone with three seconds to go from about the 25 yard line, 20, 25 yard line, I believe. They'd already, they, you could tell they'd already run these plays in practice. They'd already, they'd already executed that type of scenario. So there was no, there was no frantic action. There was no jumping around and look looks of confusion from Bo or to the sidelines or the receivers. Everybody knew where they were supposed to go. Now, granted, they didn't they didn't execute and win the game, but at some point that's going to happen. And you can tell that that the practice and the discipline and the process has already been laid. So, to me, that that's what I walk away with feeling really positive about the other portion of it is I think Saturday allowed Auburn to know what their identity is as far as an offensive football team we run the football we are going to be physical and we're going to run the ball downhill and if you can stop us stop us but we're going to go to the well until it's dry and until you stop us that's what we're doing and I, I love that type of attitude I love the fact that they can run the ball and be physical and do things with Jarquez and do things with Tank that, unfortunately, Auburn has not been able to do. It just hasn't been in Gus's system the last several years. And you watch the the, the multiple sets and the personnel and the, you know, the ability to be multiple under Mike Bobo, whether it be in 14 personnel, lining up in the eye, running the inside zone with a fullback lead, you know, off tackle stuff, doing so many things that, man, the I love seeing them line up in the eye, bring and they and they bring a uh, bring the, you know, the slot receiver a little bit of a and a little bit of a zip motion from the boundary and run the toss sweep into the boundary, which is the which is the play that Jarquez got the hurdle on. That is that is you can go back and look at Mike Bobo when he was playing. You can go back and look at Mike Bobo when he was coaching at Georgia. That was their bell cow. That was their that was their cash cow run play. That if if it's a tall sweep coming downhill, you better guarantee they're going to get five to six yards. And I just think that's that's something these kids physically and 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 mentally know that if we're running the ball and we're having success, nobody can beat us. And when you get to that point, you're you're pretty dangerous offensively. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you on those. I think uh, 
I think the running game was was special. And I think now it's on the wideouts. That somebody's got to develop because now teams are going to see what Jarquez is capable of. They're going to they're obviously see what Tank's capable of. They know that, but they're going to understand that unless somebody steps up uh, at receiver, um, you're going to see more loaded boxes, which is why Nixon Robertson, you know, have got to connect. And Javaris Johnson's got to get healthy. And so like I think I think you're going to see a different against Georgia in three weeks. I think you could see a very different passing attack. Even LSU in two weeks than you saw against Penn State. I think one Javaris Johnson's a good player and they need him. Uh I think he was still banged up and so I just he traveled, but he caught that one ball. But I don't think he I don't think he went because I I just don't think he was hundred percent. But he's a player in the slot that can get open. They need him out there. Yeah, man, I'm with you, man. Good good performance from Auburn. It was a loss. Um, but it's a good it's a good football team in Penn State. And I think you at least the good thing for Auburn is they finally get, are going to get some things on tape to net, now they need now they prepare for LSU and they can figure out their their identity. Um, you know, I, I probably you know maybe you wish they could have a big game like this in, in week one or two to start figuring this out. But but they're week three now. I think they they certainly have a lot on film that they can start to start to figure out. They need to get Jalen Simpson back that corner. He would help that secondary a little bit. He's a good player. Um, that's been banged up with a groin. They need to get him back in the mix in that in that coverage, um, in in that back end. That would that would help as well. And and we don't know about Owen Papo. Uh, he, you know, he was on the sideline and was acting fine, but he didn't play like the last ten or twelve minutes of the game. So don't know what yeah. his injury is either. So wouldn't be surprised if you don't see Papo against Georgia State um, and and some other guys um, if if they're a little bit banged up. Well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think I'm with you overall. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. Auburn's got Georgia State 23 point favorites. It opened up, so I guess Georgia State's a little bit better than Akron and Alabama State. Um, it's not a 35 point line; it's a 23 point line. And so, uh, I think Georgia State's the one that went up to Tennessee a couple of years ago and shocked yeah. them. If I remember right. Um, so, um, you know, they'll be a decent little club. So we'll see if Auburn can keep the momentum going and and get some rhythm before they head to LSU. Man, well. Appreciate you joining us, dude. I know you had fun at the game. Um, get some, get some, get some rest. Catch up after an awesome trip to uh, to Happy Valley, and we'll welcome Penn State next year. So that'll be fun to look forward to next year. Penn State comes to Auburn September seventeenth, so that'll be, you know, that'll be a big one and awesome one. Is, is uh, they return the favor? Yeah, no doubt. It'll be exciting. They were, they were. It was a great fan base and a lot of good fanfare. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's a situation. It's a, it's a great, you know, you, you, these marquee matchups of these big perennial, perennial programs in, in the powerhouse leagues around the country, I think are huge. And to be able to kind of share that with the country and, you know, for us to go up there and experience Happy Valley and see that and then, you know, have the ability to say, hey, y'all, you know, you guys come, come south, we'll return the favor next year. And it'll be a lot of fun, man. But, I, you know, I'm like you. I think. It'll it'll be good. They'll lick their wounds against Georgia State. I think ultimately playing against Penn State gives them a lot of footage and a lot of film to see how they compare against relative talent. And, you know, this this is film study that they can really see where they stand and do some gut checks. And there's going to be some. There's going to be some hard film study going on. They're going to get a lot of constructive criticism at certain positions. But then there's a lot of good to take out of it as well. So it'll be it'll be fun to see how they react. Georgia State will come through, and then hopefully they'll go down to LSU and win down there for the first time in a long time. But we'll see. That'd be big. 
All right, man. Hope everybody has a good uh, good Monday. Um, and uh, as, as Auburn prepares for another uh, non-conference game this weekend. Ben, thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, Hope. Y'all take care. War Eagle. All right. See you next time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see everybody next time. See ya. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.